Have you ever been caught off guard by auto updates? Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. But as we prepare to go into this new year, I've noticed that some of the apps on my phone decided to auto update. Now, this means that I have no control whatsoever. They just decide that it's time to upgrade. Now, I have two theories on this. One is that there's a group of developers and scientists that look at an app and they decide that they want to improve it and they work very hard to make it work harder for you and do things more intelligently and fix the bugs and all the other things that go on and they carefully test it and then at the proper time they release it out into the wild and it goes onto your phone seamlessly. Never a problem. That's one theory. I have another theory. I have a theory that in every app there is a department whose name is, How Can We Annoy Bill Today? Why do I say this? Because have you ever been in the midst of something that you use regularly and now all of a sudden it's changed? Things aren't where they used to be. The, the icon moved or, or the pull-down menu is not the same. The, the thing that used to be so automated you didn't have to think about it, now you're searching and you're spending twice as long as you ever did before. That's the, point, the department of how do I annoy Bill. My money's on that second one. Maybe you've had similar experiences with things that you thought were just fine and didn't need improving, but somebody improved them anyway. I remember how much I used to enjoy sitting down and reading a newspaper. Who's done that lately? I remember when you had to tune in at 6 p.m. for the news. You don't have to do that anymore either. There are many things that have changed that and many of them are good. Many of them make our lives more secure, easier, uh, more helpful. But not all change is good change. And that's what I want to talk about today. I ran across this quote, and it sums it up pretty nicely. This guy named William Pollard says that change is not always growth, just as movement is not always progress. And why is this important to us today? Because a lot of times I think when we try to change our relationship with Christ on our terms, we do make some progress, just not in a good direction. And a lot of times when we try to change the message that God gives us in, in the tune of Scripture, we get ourselves sideways. We find ourselves in places that we don't want to go. We, we experience movement, but it is not progress. See, I'm pretty convinced that the Original version of God's communication, version 1.0 God, was the best possible. In fact, you might even say it was perfect. And it wasn't but a minute before that serpent came along in the garden and decided to launch version 1.5, an auto-update to the message called God and his relationship with us. I say version 1.5 because, see, the serpent is crafty. It's not version 2.0. It's not something that's totally offline and would catch us uh, unawares. It's, it's 1.5 because there's just enough truth in what he's doing to shift the message gradually. And then it's 1.6 and 1.7, continually changing the message that God gave us back in the day. And before we know it, we're making some not-so-good progress. That's the way that it works. So to explore from a scriptural basis what God's original message is and what his mission today is, we're going to spend some time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you want to join us, it's way back in the Bible here, one of the Paul letters to the Corinthian church. 
You might think it was the second one, in fact. Uh, but in reality, it's actually not. That's a whole different story. At any rate, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 14. This is Paul writing to the church that has been planted by him several years earlier, but has had a falling out. They've been attracted by some false teachers. They've had some false teachings. They've had some people who are teaching decent doctrine, but they're a lot flashier than Paul, and they're starting to interject that version 1.5 into what they're saying. And the Corinthians are falling for it, and they're shunning Paul, because Paul is not as polished or spectacular or even eloquent, which might be surprising to you based on how much he writes. But this is a letter of reconciliation, and this is Paul writing to Corinth. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. These are the words of God, and they are for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. What Paul is saying is, is really two things. One, that we are made new, not just better, but new. And two, it's for a purpose. And that purpose is to be reconciled to God. Now, what does all this mean? Well, let's pick apart a few of these verses as we climb around in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The first thing that we need to understand is that God's mission is motivated by love. Why is that so important? Because if we know what to do, but we've forgotten why we do it, there's a good chance that we'll stop doing it. And this why is potent and powerful. It's Christ's love that compels us right there in verse 14. This is what is driving Paul. This is what is driving the disciples. This is what is driving every Jesus follower that has ever walked the earth or at least should be. And the reason is, if we can love like Christ loved, if, if we see people through Christ's eyes, then we will be compelled in a good way. This won't be a sense of duty. This will be uh, an excitement, an adventure. This will be something that we want to do because we have compassion for people. Christ's love compels us. If you read on down then into verse 16, it says that there's something interesting going on at the way that we look at people. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, even though we did Christ the same. We no longer do so. What does that mean? Well, it means we don't look at people on the outside. We don't look at people like society looks at them. We look at people from an otherworldly view, and it's the power of the Spirit that helps us to do that. 
as we look at people with the, the love of Christ compelling us, we'll see what Christ saw. People who are lost. People who are without a shepherd and are being led astray. People who are succumbing to version 1.5 and 1.6 and walking further and further away from God, whether they recognize it or not. Some are angry. Some are bitter. Some are apathetic. Some are us. So we can't just address our point of where we are with worldly wisdom. We can't just use psychology. We can't just use platitudes. We have to approach this with an otherworldly view. And that is the view that comes as we understand who Christ is. And we understand who Christ is and what he has done for us as we turn the pages of Scripture. Continuing on down then, we see this in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. Now, I know I've said this before, but it always bears repeating. Anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, go back and look at what's there before. And what's the therefore there for? Does that make sense? <laughs> I hope so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. That's easy to say. It's easy to say, I want to be new. I don't want to be like my old self. I don't want to do the things my old self did. So therefore, I'm going to accept Christ into my heart and I will be new. And I will no longer have any problems. Which is great until it meets reality. See, here's the thing. We can be made new in Christ and we are made new in Christ. But we live in the same old world. And in computer terms, it might look something like this. We... We've been fed so many versions, 1.5, 1.6, 1.7, that we can't even recognize the truth anymore. And so if we want a fresh start in all this, we want a new start in this new year, it's not just a matter of upgrading to another version. It's not just a, a better version of what we have. This is a new version. So in computer terms, that means we're wiping the hard drive completely clean. We're starting from scratch. We're going back to factory resets and installs from the original message that God gives us. Now, that is something that only Christ can accomplish in the Spirit. We, we can't wipe our hard drive clean. We tried as a human race. We've tried and we can't. We can't live by all the logic rules that keep us always doing the right thing when clicking the keyboard. We stray. We are like the sheep who have gone astray. And so the only hope that we have is a hard drive wipe and reset from the factory, from God 1.0, and that we continue to do that, to follow that operating system. But here's the challenge. This world is so good at sliding in new versions, slightly different, with enough truth in them that we may think that it's the truth. But it's not. And so this becomes a process, not just a one-time factory reset, but a process of continually going back to God's version 1.0, the original message and the original meaning for which he created us. Now that sounds like a pretty daunting task, but it's really not. And it's only made possible at great cost because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And how does this work? It's the ministry of reconciliation. If you look at the whole rest of that verse, 18 through 20, 
not, not, not the whole rest of the verse, the next part that we read, the ministry of reconciliation is what God has given us. He wants us to return to version 1.0. He has made that possible as Christ gave his life on the cross. That's what wipes the hard drive clean and allows the factory reset. But he also recognizes that this world is so good and has so much volume and, and time in our ears with other messages, the versions that will slightly lead us astray. And so he sent the Holy Spirit to remind us, to guide us, to teach us all of those things. All this is designed for this, re this ministry of reconciliation, and this is what we should be about in 2022, to reconcile. What does that mean? To, to take away the barriers, to reunite as one, as it was in the original relationship in the Garden of Eden. This ministry of reconciliation is made possible by Christ, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and is guided by God himself. It is a gift, but it's also some work. So we have to constantly revisit that version 1.0 so that we don't forget what the message is. That ministry of reconciliation is uh, what we represent as Christ's ambassadors, as it says here in the text, as though God were making his appeal through us. So you see, the more available we make ourselves to God, the better ambassador we will be. The better ambassador we are, the more we point people back to the truth. And the truth is contained in this book. So my plea for us in 2022, or serve, is that we would continue to turn back into these pages that we would continue to go back to the original message that God has so that we have that solid reference and we're not led astray by new versions, no matter how ubiquitous they are, no matter how loud they are in our ears, no matter how 24-7 they are, no matter how many people tell us what the world sees as wisdom. This is the original wisdom. And the only way that we do that is by continually going back into the Word. How can we do this? Well, there are several ways that we can do this. One is we live in an unprecedented era of technology. I don't know if you've ever experienced Uversion, but Uversion is a Bible app, and it's incredible. I have it on my phone. I've had it for years. They have, have I think, over 500 million downloads of Uversion around the world. What makes it so spectacular? It'll work on any phone, and it's absolutely free. And in the process of downloading Uversion, you get access to many different versions of the Bible. They have a lot of Bible reading plans. They have live events, other things. You can set your phone to remind you to read your Bible every day. And you can work through a Bible reading plan or a series of devotions that someone has put on Uversion. You can also invite friends and track friends with you. You can meet online. You can do all kinds of amazing things with this technology. So I invite you to check out uversion.com and see if this is something that might appeal to you. We always have our phones in our hand. They're always the ones that are making the noise and catching our attention. Why not let God catch our attention in 2022? Now, I recognize that Maybe you don't need another app, you don't want another app, you spend enough time with a phone, you don't want anything to do with a phone. Give me the good old solid 
paper version. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. In fact, I brought this Bible when I first became a serious Christian in my adult life. Uh, this was one of the Bibles that I turned to pretty regularly. And I stole this idea. I can't remember who to give credit to, but somebody else had this idea. And they, they had color codes. I don't know if you can see this. Uh, color codes for different topics that they would highlight in their Bible. So if you're a very kinesthetic person, you have to have things in your hand and you like color and bright things and, and moving and all that, you might consider this. And you can pick whatever categories you want, but here's how this one played out. Every time I read across a verse that had something to do with faith, I would highlight in green. And then I would use different colors. For example, love was pink. Strength was orange. Peace was blue. All these things, and then uh, yellow was miscellaneous. All these things, as I read through the Bible, I began to highlight. And an interesting thing began to occur. I'll show you a couple of pages out of the book of John. I think this one hits every possible color that you can, you can do. So interesting things starts to happen in your Bible reading. As you read through a book and you glance at a book like John, you recognize how well-rounded it is. It has a little bit of everything. Sometimes as you read through the psalm, you'll see an area of great strength or peace. And, and the cool thing is that when you go back in those times of trouble when you're looking for that peace and you cannot find it, go back to the Bible that you highlighted and look for the blue. By the way, you can also do this on the Bible apps as well. But one of the things that I found, especially when I uh, needed peace or strength or a shot in the arm of my faith, is I would go back to familiar passages that I had highlighted and studied in context and uh, get that peace and strength right from Scripture. Anytime I wanted it, no battery required. So that's another option for you if you like the hard copy. Or there's also a myriad of other Bible apps and audio apps as well. Maybe you're a, a learning by listening person. I would encourage you to check out the many Bible apps that are free. The Dwell Bible app is one of the examples that I've run across lately. They do a great job in hiring readers to read different parts of the Bible, and they, they also have some devotionals as well. Now, there's no need to pay for any of this, so if you're struggling to find something, let me know. I'll help you find something that works for you. But here's what I find uh, promising. We spend so much time on the run with a phone in our hand, there's no reason that we couldn't use that time more productively to bring us back to that original word, that original message that God has for us, version 1.0. Imagine taking the kids to practice and listening to the audio Bible. Maybe there's a, a study that you could do as a family in, in that travel time or that transit time or the time that you spend in the parking lot waiting could be a time of deep Bible study. You don't have to live in a monastery and, and sit in a certain way and chant certain things and pray in King James English to have a strong and robust relationship with Christ. You just have to be deliberate about it. And so that's what I invite us into, Word Sir, in 2022. Be deliberate about version 1.0. Be deliberate about turning the pages of Scripture as we turn a new year. And by the end of this coming year, I hope we look a whole lot more like Christ than when we started. See, we have to learn to turn off the auto-updates. 
Don't allow the world to auto-update and push us off our story. Turn the pages of Scripture. Return to God 1.0. Let the love of Christ compel us. And I promise you, just as God promises you, you'll look more like Christ at the end of this year than when we started. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for faithfully capturing your word. Thank you for version 1.0 that is unchanging and steadfast. And God, as we live in this busy world with lots of noise and 24-7 messages coming across, help us to filter that which is not truth. Help us to filter that which would harm us and lead us astray. Help us to focus on your steadfast love, the message that calls us to walk the straight path that you've laid before us, to not stray to the left or right, to meditate on this word day and night, just as Joshua would have done years ago. And God, as you have prepared us and gifted us through the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and equipped us with your Holy Spirit, I pray that we are in Christ this year, and that we are made new, and that the old has gone to your glory and for your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.